Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Integral Podcast. My name is Sanjeev. I'm the co-founder of Integra Books, a cloud accounting and advisory firm based in Bangalore, India. In this series of podcasts, we're going to be discussing the latest trends in accounting, taxation, finance, and other regulatory matters. We're joined on this show by our expert Hetal Shah. Hetal has been a chartered accountant for over 10 years and he's an expert at direct taxation. Hello, Hetal. Welcome to another episode of the Integral Podcast. Hi, Sanjeev. Thanks for being on the show. So we are now at a, uh, on a day where there's been a lot of good news around uh, the uh, direct and indirect taxes. Today, the finance ministry has just announced uh, uh, that they will actually release refunds due to all taxpayers under both the income tax as well as the GST. So let's start with uh, uh, the income tax refunds. I would like you to take our listeners through the uh, practicalities of getting uh, an income tax refund. See, basically, I'll uh, income tax refunds are the refunds which have been claimed by the SSCs after they filed the return of income. So all these refunds, what we are talking about and what the ministry has come out will be pertaining to the financial year 1819 and anything prior to that. Um, it is not for the financial year 1920 for the reason that the returns for financial year 1920 is not filed by anybody and the forms are also not released. And uh, interestingly, what they've come out is that they're going to release the uh, refunds to the extent of 5 lakh rupees, which is due. So if you filed your return of income and a refund has been claimed to the extent of 5 lakh rupees, they are going to release the refund uh, on priority basis. All right. So the most important point here is that the refunds have been restricted only to 5 lakhs. If you have anything more than that, then you'll have to wait for the normal procedure of assessment to to be completed before you can claim a refund. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So will these refunds be directly credited into the bank account to the taxpayers or will they be sending a manual check? Generally, uh, you opt for either an ECS or a manual refund while you file your return of income. If you have opted for an ECS, then the refunds are going to come directly to your bank account. And in case you have opted to get the money into by way of a check, you'll be getting a manual check as whatever is being opted in the return of income, you will get the refund in the same manner. All right. So another impo- important announcement today was that the GST refund should also be granted to all the SSEs, that is the taxpayers, and a similar limit of 5 lakh has also been proposed for GST refunds as well. Typically, a GST refund is claimed by exporters, wherein they have a facility of claiming all the input uh, GST that they have accrued. Uh, input would mean where GST has been charged by the vendors who are selling their goods or services to the to exporters. So now again, um, uh, this, this refunds will also be credited to the accounts of the taxpayers directly, a similar, much similar to an income tax uh, refund. So all these measures that is income tax and the GST refunds put together are likely to ease the cash flows of the businesses at this point of time. And the government estimates around 18,000 crores to be paid out as refunds. That is a significant amount. 
So now coming to another topic which has been discussed a lot in the last week or so is the uh, relaxation given to borrowers uh, by the Reserve Bank of India. I would like you to take our listeners through various measures that have been uh, proposed and uh, and that are being implemented by banks in uh, in in India. Yes, Sanjeev, uh, you must be aware that uh, the finance minister a uh, few days back has uh, announced quite a lot of relief measures by way of uh, giving benefits to the industry people and by extending the moratorium of loans uh, which are due to be paid to the banks. So let me touch upon the EMIs and the <coughs> interest and what are the benefits that have been given. First thing is they have allowed for three months of moratorium to be uh, paid on uh, interest and the EMIs which are due as on March. So any interest and EMI which is due after 1st of uh, March uh, up to 31st of May can be paid subsequently. Please note that it is only in time given, it is not in waiver. So you have to pay that even be this month, next month, whatever it is, you have to pay that. And interest will still accrue. So interest is also accruing. What the finance minister has done is given you time to make the payment, which will ease out your cash flows. So every month on month, the interest, whichever is there on the loans will accrue, but can be paid after three months. Okay, now you can ask me, what is the benefit you are getting when there is no waiver or anything? Earlier, if you delay your uh, EMI payment by more than three months, then that uh, would be considered as a default and this would become a non-performing asset and that would be reported to Sybil. In this case, after this relaxation has been given, even though you delay paying your <coughs> EMIs or your interest, then the your loan account will not become a non-performing asset and it will still continue to be a performing asset and your uh, name will not be reported in Sybil as a defaulter. All right. So, so, uh, yes, so is this, is this um, a waiver applicable to all categories of uh, loan facilities? Yes, it is applicable to all categories of uh, facilities, including housing loan, cash credit, term loans, and any kind of personal loans that has been taken by the customers. What about credit card dues? Yes, they have in uh, initially when they had announced credit card was not a part of the scheme. However, they have clarified saying that credit card dues also will be considered in this scheme. But the catch over here is in credit card, you are allowed to make the minimum payment subsequently, but the credit card company still will continue to uh, charge interest on the amounts that are due. Mind you, credit card companies charge very high interest, which is as high as 3.5% a month. In fact, uh, I have seen one of the statement which has been email, which has been sent out by SBI credit card, which has told, just specifically told that you can defer your payment by three months, but they will be charging interest at 3.5% per month on the dues. So it may not be a good option for you to take this deferment unless you have uh, very bad cash flows where you cannot pay your credit card dues. Right. So how will the scheme be made available to borrowers? Do the borrowers have to fill in any consent forms? 
it is like this it is uh, specific to the banks uh, it is left to the banks how do they do it as a process the banks are calling up the customers and asking whether they want to make use of this facility and if uh, you give consent then the banks are uh, actually not uh, deducting your emi <coughs> uh, in fact in if the banks have not called it is better that the customers call the banks voluntarily and tell them that they would like to avail the scheme because practically uh, you know for the emis and the interest the banks would have taken postdated checks or an uh, ecs uh, will already be there with some other account so unless you specifically tell the bank not to debit your account to that extent they'll go ahead and do it if they have not called if they have called you can tell them to uh, stop the payment or debit to that extent if they have not called it is advised you call the bank and tell them that you are going to make use of this facility all right so now there might be uh, some interesting scenarios here let's take the case of a borrower who is actually uh, who's who's at the fag end of his uh, loan cycle wherein he would be repaying only the principal and not interest so will this deferment be helpful to him it will be helpful to him to the extent that uh, he gets extended 3 months of period for repayment of that principal but this whatever interest is applicable for the 3 months he will still be required to pay for interest for the 3 months okay so that's great to hear so now uh, what will happen uh, in case of new loans i remember reading that there will be relaxation in uh, in terms of security requirements as well as uh, some uh, relaxations regarding drawing power when it comes to working capital loans could you please uh, shed some light on that yes um, though there may be some guidance for relaxation on the securities practically speaking the banks are not going to relax the uh, security norms given the fact that the cash flows are affected for most of the businesses and uh, collateral is the only asset by which they fall back upon okay but they may relax on the drawing power limit uh, just to give an uh, example of how drawing power works drawing power is nothing but the limit how the limit that is available for you to draw it's nothing but the working cycle gap which you have to fill in assuming you have an uh, receivable of 100 rupees and you have creditors to the extent of 20 rupees so you have a gap of 20 80 rupees. 80 rupees that 80 rupees has to be out of that 80 rupees 75% of uh, 80 rupees will be funded by the bank and 20% uh, will be funded by you so 25% will be funded by you yeah. so they may extend the tenor basically when you are calculating the drawing power the receivables have something called cover period mm-hmm. cover period is the period by which you receive your uh, debtors your yeah. receivables yeah so during the stuff times uh, most of the customers will not make their payments and assuming you are uh, you've given 90 days of time period to <coughs> make the payment it is very unlikely that you may get your payment by 90 days so if your cover period is 90 days the banks may extend the cover period from 90 days to say 120 days so by extending that your drawing power will be higher to that extent so they may come up with the uh, schemes where they allow you to have a higher drawing power but i don't think they will relax anything on the securities all right so now what will happen to non fund based 
facilities. So far, we have discussed all fund-based facilities to cover term loans and working capital loans. So there are facilities like bank guarantees, etc. So what will happen to those? See, non-fund-based facilities are basically where there is no involvement of the movement of funds. These are uh, more like a guarantee uh, instruments. These will continue to be the same as it is whenever there is an <coughs> expiry of these uh, uh, non-fund-based uh, facilities. They may either decide to renew it for more uh, some more time or they may <coughs> uh, honor the non-fund-based facilities. But to the extent which our bank guarantees are expiring within this period of lockdown, the banks may extend the uh, bank guarantee to the uh, up to the time uh, that the lockdown is uh, completed. But again, that is discretionary. They may take it on case-to-case -case basis. There is no instructions from RBI or uh, anybody to do it on uh, uh, flat for everybody. It is just on case-to-case -case basis. Okay. So then a lot depends on uh, the relationship the borrowers have with their local branches. So that would also play a huge role if I'm not wrong. Exactly. Since there is no blanket uh, instructions to extend it, so it will be a uh, specific case-to-case uh, -case basis to all the customers. Right. So now, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, th these facilities will have to be actually availed by borrowers by providing a written consent. So that is yes. important. Uh, I don't think any bank is actually voluntarily waiving or deferring. Sorry, I shouldn't use the word waiver, but no ba bank is, I think, voluntarily going ahead and uh, uh, doing a deferment, right? No, nobody is uh, defer. They are just deferring. Nobody is waiving it off. Again, the deferment also, they are calling up and then explaining the fact that the interest is going to be accrued and it may not be uh, in favor of the uh, customer to take this benefit given the fact that at the end of fourth month you may be uh, landing up paying four months interest which will be a huge cash outflow yeah. so they are explaining the pros and cons to the customers and if the customer is really in a bad shape then they are extending this benefit to them Right. So an extremely important step taken there by the RBI to ease, ease the cash flow constraints in the economy right now. So along yes. with these measures, the RBI has also take, uh, taken a lot of other measures, which is, which is going to enhance the uh, liquidity uh, within the banks. They've actually cut the CRR, the repo rate, uh, so which will lower effectively lower the cost of funds for the bank. And uh, the RBI has also announced that you know the scheme will apply to regional rural banks rrps and microfinance institutions as well which are a huge chunk uh, of the banking sector and a lot of uh, loans are dispersed by these microfinance institutions as well as rrps so with these set of measures the, the government must be really hoping that the credit cycle will will be kicked off and the cash requirements would be uh, taken care of once the lockdown is over Right, Hethal, uh, we appreciate you joining us on another edition of this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we shall talk soon. Uh, yeah, looking day. forward for next uh, round of podcast. All right. Thank you so much. See you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Hope you like the show. This episode was brought to you by Integra Books. 
Integra Books provides a business owner with a unique solution which combines an easy-to-use accounting software with a dedicated accountant. Integra Books is an authorized partner of Zoho. With Zoho's 40-plus apps, you can put your entire business on the cloud. For more on what we do, please visit integrabooks.co or drop in a line to contact at integrabooks.co. Our social media links are in the description box below. So get in touch with Integra Books to transform your business.